Welcome to Demolition Now, NDA's official podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Lambert. In this episode, we introduce a new segment called Demo Demographics. This segment features interviews with owners and C-suite executives from member companies across North America, discussing their company history, challenges, and opportunities. In this episode, we interviewed current NDA Vice President Ben Hayden, Vice President Owner of Hayden Wrecking out of St. Louis, Missouri. We also sat down with NDA Director of Government Affairs, Alex McIntyre, who discusses upcoming legislation and regulation. Stay tuned. Welcome back, listeners and members. Jeff Lambert, your host. We have a new portion of our podcast called Demo Demographics. And we're interviewing owners and C-suite executives from member companies across North America on their company history, challenges, and opportunities. Today, I have Ben Hayden, who's vice president owner of Hayden Wrecking out of St. Louis, Missouri. Ben has served on the NDA board of directors since 2016, is the past education committee chair and current vice president of the National Demolition Association, we're going to spend a few minutes just picking his brain on his company's history, what makes him tick, um, what he sees as some of the challenges he's going to face uh, here in the next decade. But Ben, thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome to the program. Pleasure to have you. Thank you, Jeff. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we, um, you know, we got a lot of good feedback from our marketing communications committee. Um, as you know, we are mem member driven organization. So we always tap into our volunteer base. And one of the things they said is that, you know, we want to dig a little deeper into our member companies. Um, we know we have a lot of similarities, um, same issues come up, um, same successes, and we want to hear from folks. And so that's where this idea was born. And um, so we're just going to spend about five, 10 minutes just chatting with you, you know, and um, hopefully get some good little nuggets that other members can take back with them. And and at the end of the day, the uh, committee just wanted to say, we're all in the same boat together. We all have the same challenges. And one of the beauty of the, the beauties of the National Demolition Association is that we have the chance to network and and pick each other's brains and act as sounding boards on on common themes, issues, opportunities, et cetera. So excited to start this um, um, segment of our podcast. To start out, Mr. Hayden, can you tell us uh, a little bit about the history of your company? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, and first, I think this is a great idea. It's it's you're right about the networking and and connections and and we 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 absolutely do all live the the live a very similar life in this industry same challenges same uh same successes and uh and so it's good to get together with like-minded uh folks um a little bit about Hayden wrecking uh our business was started in uh, approximately 1946 by our grandfather um it was uh, originally started as Hayden wrecking and lumber and salvage um when, and as that uh name describes uh we really did encompass everything back then they were pulling boards off houses and buildings and pulling nails and recycling that that lumber um, that ran for, you know, that company ran for several decades um, and, and that, in that fashion. Uh, when my father um, got involved, uh, probably in the 60s and 70s, uh, they shifted more toward urban renewal um, and did a lot of large uh, old urban renewal demolition projects in the city of St. Louis, 
um, 70s, transit started transitioning into industrial work at some local chemical plants. Um, he cut his teeth there through the 70s, early 80s, um, and kind of grew that that market through uh, you know through really just good work, good customer service. Um, his customers were you would call him back, and he would work in years straight for plants because they they liked the work. Um, it was safe and it was um, it was professional. Even though it was a very small company at that time, um, they uh, they did a lot of good work there. Um, in the 90s, late 90s, early 2000s, when my father retired, um, business was sold to um, to my brothers, um, myself. Uh, we we started that that transition into grow. Um, there was obviously it was a it was a it was a one person owner at that time um, transitioning from his father to to three owners. Um, we recognized that there was opportunity here through through the uh, the reputation that our father had built. Um, we wanted to grow on that reputation, and we did. So the the last twenty years, um, we we leveraged that that uh, relationship, those relationships within the industrial sector to grow that work, to work in other plants, other facilities, um, and, and essentially grew 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 that way, um, kind of naturally, uh, and then and then that led us to where we are today. Now, which which the predominant, you know, the strong majority of our work is heavy industrial. Uh, about six or seven years ago, we did uh, start a concrete cutting division, which works mostly around St. Louis. Um, but then uh, within our true dismantling demolition division, I'd say about 50% of our work is within 50 miles of St. Louis. Uh, the other 50% is all over the country. Um, our customers, they ask us to go. We'll uh, we'll go and take care of them if they have a plant in Texas or Minnesota or New Jersey and and really all around the country at that point. Yeah, it's it's you know it's really interesting being at our convention and some of our other meetings, right? Because I see members, you know, exchanging business cards with one another, and then I'll get a call. Hey, Jeff, can you? I talked to this guy from St. Louis. Like he had a concrete cutting business. We're looking for, you know, somebody in St. Louis to be that might have or know somebody. Um, it's really fun to make those connections, right? Because um, that's sort of what we're all about. We we bring people together, we help them solve issues. And I mean, just to see that interaction and the fact that business is, you know, going strong within these companies that they're reaching out and reaching into the network at NDA to both help grow their business and bring other people into the fold on projects. So it's great to hear, I'd say a majority of our members are kind of split that way. 50% of the time they work in their local markets. And then we see a lot of folks working interstate, you know, on various different either power plant projects, or we've got other large heavy industrial electrical um, facilities, et cetera. So uh, it's really interesting to see that your company has also gone in that direction as well, and that it seems to be a common theme. Um, I'm curious about one thing because I, you know, I was looking at your website and I see that, you know, your management structure, um, you know, the history of the company that we, you just described, but you, you have um, two brothers involved with you. So I'm, I'm curious, like, how is your team structured and do these roles change based on the need of the client, right? Did, is Does your brother take a lead on one client and you take a lead on the other? Or how, how are you guys structured? Right. So that, that evolved naturally. Um, and really through the personalities of myself, my brother, Brian, and my brother, Nick, um, when, when, uh, when we really transitioned and took over and bought, um, bought the business from our father, 
um, we all had strengths, you know, we that, that we were just naturally suited to. So, for instance, my oldest brother, Brian, his his education background was accounting. Um, he also have a has a really good natural tendency toward business development, creating relationships. So he it wasn't it was very easy. He transitioned into kind of controlling our accounting uh, department, um, business develop, develop, development, estimating, um, running with that. My brother, Nick, who's the middle uh, brother of us three. Um, his uh, his background and his passions were more in the field, uh, means and methods. He was, you know, he was from an early age. Really, we from all of us from an early age. We, you know, probably starting at fifteen or sixteen, we were working in the shop, working in the yard, doing stuff. But he gravitated toward the field, so he loved running equipment. He loved tearing structures down, figuring out how to dismantle stuff. And over the decades, he's just become an absolute expert at at means and methods and and um, and taking structures down uh, safely, efficiently. Um, and really just doing a great job there. My education uh, through college um, was in construction management background. So I spent about five years after college uh, working for general contractors around the country, um, two of them. And I learned a ton. And, you know, one suggestion I'd have for any, any multi-generational businesses that have kids that they're thinking about coming in the industry is go work outside, go work for other contractors, go work for, you know, similar industries. It's amazing what you can learn. So when I came back, um, my my natural tendencies were was project management, estimating, operational um, aspects. So I kind of grew into that role and and essentially lead operations within the company and general management within the company. Um, so we kind of just really focused on our strengths and 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 as a company grew, um, we were able to grow within those roles. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. I mean. That brings up the question, you know, you said it was started by your grandfather and then your 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 father and now now you and your brothers. Um, was there a formal succession plan in place like or did it just sort of evolve as the opportunity presents it presented itself for your dad and you? No, it's funny. It's funny you say that. Um, not not back then. No. And it was I think it was easier because he didn't have siblings. Um, he didn't have partners in the business. Um, we all I honestly thought that he, you know, I never thought about him retiring, right? I, he loved work and he was, he was one of the hardest workers that I've, I've ever known. Um, but when he was done, he was done. And um, it was a decision that he made. And uh, at that point we had the opportunity and my brothers actually uh, initially bought the business from him. And I had, I hadn't come back to the company until about two years after he retired. And then I bought in with my brother. So it becomes a little more complicated at that point when I think you have multiple siblings and you really start thinking about long-term, you know, long-term, uh, really long-term life of a company. And a quick devi deviation from that, because you had mentioned the networking and, 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 uh, and everything earlier in the, in the discussion. And literally I just had a phone call I missed from a colleague and another NDA member from Chicago. <laughs> and I think that's relative, relevant to what we were talking about and, and be able to pick up the phone and call, um, you know, a competitor, but not really a competitor and be able to bounce questions off each other and, and learn from each other. So I just thought I'd interject that really quick. No, that's fantastic. I mean, that's great. You know, one of the things is staff that um, we get those calls like, hey, can you connect me with so-and-so? And so that's, it's wonderful to hear that real-time example from you. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, what we do at the NDA, that's, that's what's yeah. uh, my favorite, one of my favorite parts of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, talking about a succession plan, I mean, this is fairly common in the demolition industry. I think two years ago, three years ago, just right before the pandemic, we had a breakout session 
um, when we were in Austin on succession planning and um, you know transferring ownership and that sort of thing, it's fairly common. And as I think about some of the larger demolition companies around the United States, whether it's out of Minnesota or Detroit, et cetera, like you look at Homrich, the succession plan that you know happened there with Roger and Scott and Tim um, and you guys certainly. But um, so it's it's a fairly common thing. But that kind of leads me to you know what are some of the challenges um you know of a multi-generational company what should they pay attention to because you're not you know unique in this capacity so any lessons learned that could help some of our members out um yeah absolutely so um kind of starting the beginning even when when i first bought in with the company um i think we did a good thing you know we set the stage early on um we had we have you know a very solid agreement between the three of us um on on how the the purchase of the business would happen um how the sale would happen at that time um and this was going back this is going back almost 20 years now um and then speaking of succession planning it's 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 funny you brought that up too because and really literally in the last week or two uh we've decided to sit down and really start talking about that again because people change right um people's goals evolve so the agreement and the discussions we had 20 years ago aren't the same that they have to that aren't the same today um, and we're at different state. My brothers and I are at different stages in our life. I'm I'm the youngest of three. Um, my brother Brian is uh, is nine years older than me, so he's 55, right? He's at a different stage. His kids are out of college. Um, they're on their own. Actually, one of his his youngest son is is working for us, and he's learning from the ground up as a currently as a high burner high rigger. Um, and so we need to start sitting down and thinking about that. What does the end game look like? What are our goals? You know, who wants to be out? I've got. You know, I've got a 14 year old and 11 year old. Um, so at this point in my life, my goal is I've got at least, you know, at least 12 years till they're out of college. Um, so I'm thinking a little bit longer term as opposed to my oldest brother, who's, you know, starting to see a little bit of the light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to his career and the business. So we're, 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 we're taking steps now to start thinking about that. You know, it's not, I've been told this. And as I get older and more mature within the business, I, I agree with it. It's never too early to start thinking about, um, planning, um, succession planning, exit strategies, uh, long-term goals, and then making sure that really all your partners, if you have partners, have have a same have a similar vision, or at least you're communicating what that vision is. Right. And I, I think, I mean, you know, that's one of the frequent questions I get is like, who, you know, who out there is an expert in succession planning? Um, and they're like, you know, listen, our breakout session that we did in um, Austin, we had, you know, a speaker come in that dealt specifically with that. And that's one of the things we do here at the National Demolition Association is we bring in the speakers and the experts to our meetings to talk about some of these things. But what I always tell folks is reach out and talk to the Homriches, talk to the, the Hayden Wreckings directly um, to see what they're doing and how they're thinking. And I mean, that to me having you guys the members talking with one another because even though i say all the companies go through similar challenges like there are some unique things so it's always good to like get a third party's advice on some of this stuff so um well you know talking about succession planning you obviously have um, a great crew under you i constantly hear about and i think this is this is why um the marketing communications committee was like oh hayden wrecking um 
you have a good employee base. You are known for, you know, longevity in your employees and your training programs, et cetera. So uh, just a brief question here, like what do you do at Hayden Wrecking to hire and retain exceptional employees? That's, you know, that's one thing that you guys are kind of known for. So I'd love to pick your brain on that. Like, what do you guys do? Yeah, well, thank you for those comments, first of all. But, you know, the, the first word that comes to mind is patience. Um, I, you know, we treat training, we treat hiring just like really the way we grew up in the business. It's, it's, you gotta, it takes time. You gotta get in there and learn it and you gotta do it. Um, you gotta experience demolition. There's not, you know, there's not, um, it's, it's not, we're not making widgets, right? Where you can go to school, you can get formal training and learn how to pull lever, do this and that. Um, there's a lot of creativity in, in the demolition business. So, you know, we, we took the approach um, of, we find a good, smart person that's willing to learn, willing to listen, um, is committed, uh, passionate about what they do, and then and then we're going to be patient, work with them, train them, get them out on projects, let them learn, um, let them learn to fail a little bit too, and and be patient on that aspect. Um, so we kind of we kind of went the route of you know we're always looking for the for the best people. You know, with experience is great, um, but I think and most people would say in this market, um, people are, are are tough to find. Um, so you know, we if we can find good, hardworking, smart, passionate people that are committed. Um, we'll take, we'll make that investment and we'll give them time and training and, and, uh, and work with them and build them up. Uh, that, that seems to be what's working the best for us. And, and then along the other, you know, the other side of the patient's coin is we committed to not trying to grow too fast because we never want to be able to say something that we can't do to a customer. And if that means, you know, slowing growth um, till we get the right people that can do the right job safely and efficiently, then uh, that's the approach we took. That is, I mean, that's, that's, I think that's very forward thinking. Great to hear. I mean, I think from my perspective, being um, in and around the construction space for 20 years at different trade associations, I, I see, I think the biggest mistake. And again, I'm not, you know, as an outsider somewhat to the industry, the biggest mistake people make is taking on too much work. They burn through their employees and that's where you see like a lot of high turnover, right? I mean, mm -hmm. and it may seem like from the C-suite perspective, like we're making tons of money. Everybody, you know, should be very happy, engaged, but it's that additional stress on your employees. And I think that um, that's, I think that's very astute thinking on your part. Like you just, you know, you got to take into consideration, not just the monetary aspect, but what does it do to your employees? What does it do to your own workload? And then what does it do to your customer service? So um oh that's right. um yeah you're you're absolutely right and i think as an owner and manager you you have to be cognizant of that you have to be looking at you know how much is this one individual traveling you know we're, we're most a lot of demolition companies i should say you just travel by nature because you got to go where the work is and you know you you start looking at people and where they're at with their family life um how old their kids are you know how much can they travel do they want to travel are they doing it because they think you want them to do it or do they do it because they enjoy it um, are you are you giving them breaks? Are you thinking about how long they're on the road? Can you transition them back at home for a little while? And because uh, I will, that would burn them out, um, both from a field aspect and and putting uh, too many projects on on project managers and estim estimators, um, understanding the complexity of the jobs um, to see how that stress is affecting them. It's, it's important for retention. Yeah, you know, and and it's often said that people people don't quit the company; they they quit their supervisors, right? They quit their right. so it's. It's what are the, you know, what are the employees being pushed, um, as opposed to like them 
engaging or want to be a part of it, right? So um, I think, and and again, as you share that, I think that that's probably one of the secrets to your longevity is is taking that interest and caring for your employees. Because as I said, like it's said that people quit their supervisors and largely because they feel like their supervisors maybe don't care or not engaged, et cetera. So, um, you know, that's, I think that's a common theme, not just in construction, right? So well, um, you're, you're right. And, and, you know, nobody's perfect. We're not perfect. And, and, you know, I'll tell people this all the time that, you know, Hey, come to me. If there's a problem, if there's a concern, I can't promise that I can do anything about it right away, but I'll listen and I'll, you know, I'll do my best um, because it's, you know, the, the work's the work and, and uh, you got to be able to get in there and get it done. But if you, if you don't have good motivated uh, team members that can help out and that are fresh and not overstressed um, it's, it's, it can create some major challenges. So speaking of, of challenges, um, the next decade, so, and you just briefly touched on this, obviously, with hiring and retaining talent, but w- what do you see as the biggest challenges in the demolition industry over the, the next decade? You know, I kind of look back over over our, my career in the last 20 years, and, you know, I've been in this long enough now, we've seen the ups and the downs. I think, you know, right now we're kind of in a period where, where there's a fair amount of work out there. Um, the projects are, are good. Um, but there's always that, you know, there's always that, that challenge of trying to predict what's coming down the, down the pipe in the next two years, five years, 10 years. Um, and trying to make sure that you have the right resources in place from both personnel standpoint, um, equipment standpoint, um, but most importantly, really with, with the personnel and it's, it's finding the right people. It's having a good training pipeline in place and, and the resources that we're developing through the NDA helps in that aspect quite a bit, uh, being able to, to, to train these people up and give them the support that they need in order to facilitate that growth and then man, managing that growth. Um, like we said, we, you, you know, you can never really know what's going to happen in the economy. Um, we always like to, you know, most people do this, you, you plan for the worst, you hope for the best and, and you, and you, and you work through it. Um, predicting what's going to happen in five years, you know, it's tough. You know, it's very tough to do. So we, we try to take a, you know, optimistic outlook, outlook, but, re, but also realistic. Um, we, we plan for the work that we think we're going to have. Um, we try to find the people to, to be able to support that. And, uh, and, and really it, it, that's, that's the biggest challenges I think we have is the people and the training and the education, um, as well as, as just, changing trends in the in the industry, um, both from a regulatory and compliance standpoint and the standardization of those. Um, what we do in one area is, might be completely different than what we do in another state. Um, and not all contractors are built the same. Um, you know, it's why, you know, it's why when we when we vet a project that we're going to look at, we we try to look at who's who's going to be looking at that. Um, are there 20 bidders, you know, that that range from landscapers to general contractors and then demolition contractors in there? Um, is that a good utilization of, of our resources to go after that job, or is it better spent on working with customers that value safety, that value quality, um, and allow us to have a little bit more competitive advantage in that aspect? Yeah. I mean, it's, so, you know, it's interesting to me because I, I think, um, there are a number, number of companies that utilize our training programs. So the foundations of demolition management training series, you know, which is estimating job cost tracking, project management, and of course, risk management, right? Your company, and there are 
you know, there are a couple of dozen others that frequently use by use, I mean, sending their staff, et cetera, to these courses. Um, but they're also the companies that have the longest longevity in terms of their staff um, and seem to have the most engaged um, staff. And they also bring to the education courses a lot of really good discussion. Um, so, you know, having sat through that, it's just interesting to see like the companies that have been around 10, 20 years as opposed to those that have been around 40 years, the ones that have been around 40 years, like yourself, they're sending a lot more employees to the training programs. And I think there's a direct correlation there, but it also brings me to the point of like, I know you're committed to training your staff. I know you're committed to um, investing in them for the long haul because, you know, as I said at the beginning, you were chair of the education program. You helped put together the foundations demolition training program. Um, you've stepped into a couple of different leadership roles. Now you're vice president for the National Demolition Association will be present here in a, in a couple of years. But final question for you is what made you want to step into a leadership role in the industry? You know, giving back, was there any particular need you wanted to address? Like what, like what motivated you to get more involved? Well, initially it was the people. It was the people that, you know, I met at conventions, um, you know, was invited and decided to go to one of the board meetings. Um, the, 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 the relationships that I got there and, and the people that I got to learn from is what initially pulled me in. And then the more I got involved, the more personally and professionally I got out of the organization. And then, you know, as you kind of transition through that, that process and in, in volunteering, you start understanding that, Hey, you know, I've, I've learned a lot here. Um, I was able to gain a lot of knowledge, gain a lot of support. Um, it's, it's probably my responsibility at that point to try to help younger folks. Um, and other companies um, to do what I do. And it, it, it you know, it, some people may look at it like, well, why would you help your competitor? And I guess we never really looked at it like that because we're helping the industry. And, and, and really, ultimately, I, I believe we'll help our company because the more educated and professional other contractors become, um, the rising, you know, the, the rising tide raises all boats uh, there. And I, I, I believe that um, it yep. makes us better and safer as an industry. It makes all companies get better. Um, and like anything, to, to be better, whether you're playing a sport, whether you're um, learning any task or anything like that, uh, the better, smarter people you can be around, the more competitive people you can be around, the better it's going to make you, right? And make you as a company. So that was our that was kind of our theory and, and my theory. And I would never trade a day of it. It's been an incredible experience uh, working through this organization. Yeah, and it's, I mean, just, it's been a pleasure working with you in terms of on, on leadership. And I mean, I think what pops into my mind as I hear you saying all this is iron sharpens iron, right? And you 100%. bring up the sports analogy, like you you talk about that, like you cannot get better unless you test yourself. One of the ways to test yourself is, you know, looking at your competitors. What do they do? The smart companies are always thinking about that. What what are they doing that's a little bit different that I can take advantage of um, and do myself or maybe differentiate myself in the same or similar way? So, um, Ben. Any final thoughts for our listeners? Uh, just, uh, I guess, just a quick personal note. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, wish my son, Jack, a happy birthday today as he turns 14 today. So I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll make him listen to this and he'll probably get a kick out of this at the end. But other than that, I, I thank you, Jeff, um, and what staff does for the NDA. 
it's uh it, this has been a lot of fun and it's it's really incredible organization and, and you and, and your staff do a do a fantastic job well thank you mr hayden thank you for being our first guest on demo demographics and we hope to catch up with you sometime soon again thank you for joining thank you, Jeff. It was a lot of fun Hello, this is Alex McIntyre with NDA's Government Affairs Team. Today, I just want to provide you with a brief update on all of NDA's uh, advocacy efforts. Uh, first, we will start in Congress, where both the House and the Senate have been trying to pass an appropriations bill for fiscal year 2024. This is a bill that Congress has to pass every year to uh, fully fund the government for the upcoming year. Uh, so far in July, Congress has been unsuccessful in getting a lot of these bills through Congress and passed. And so this is an issue that's going to get pushed into September when Congress returns from its August break that it takes every year. Um, and because we know this is a bill that Congress does have to pass and the president does have to sign, um, NDA has been prioritizing this in terms of trying to get provisions that would help the demolition industry into the bill. Um, so since we know it has to be signed into law, this is a, a good chance uh, to get our priorities um, into, into that bill. Um, so a few of the priorities we've been trying to push include uh, workforce development programs, infrastructure, fund, infrastructure funding, permitting reform, uh, funding for EPA Brownsfield program, disaster recovery, and community development block grants. And so we're going to continue to stay on top of this issue and continue to push for these priorities when Congress comes back in September from their break. The other big priority for NDA has been the passage of workforce development bills, along with the reauthorization of the Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act. This is a law that was first passed in 2014 and provides a lot of the, the funding and support for workforce development programs throughout the country. Um, the uh, bill expired in 2020 and has only been renewed by Congress on an annual basis since 2020. Um, we, we think this has been a problem because Congress has not been able to really dig in and look at reforms and updates to the current law that was first passed in 2014. Um, and just given all of the new realities and workforce shortages that we've seen in the economy since the COVID pandemic hit, we think this is important for Congress, you know, to really dig in and look at ways and programs um, that can be improved to help employers and employees as we head out into the future here. And so N NDA actually sent comments to Congress on this bill in July, and we highlighted you know, a few uh, provisions and programs that we think Congress should consider when they're um, drafting this bill. It includes things like employer tax credits to recruit and train employees, improved programs for career and technical education, expanded apprenticeship and job training programs, uh, reforms to Pell Grants and other bills as well. 
Um, so we're hoping that when Congress comes back in the fall, that they prioritize this issue and we're going to continue to convey the urgency um, of this and how important it is for the our industry as well as the entire economy to get this bill passed. Um, so those are kind of the big, big issues on the Hill um, over the last several months. Uh, as we head into the, uh, the, the regulatory update, um, the, President Biden just published his spring of 2023 agenda, um, which lays out timelines for proposed r r rules and regulations that he hopes to issue in the upcoming year. Um, the big uh, change that we saw in this update that he released this summer was uh, he postponed the publication of a proposed rule on overtime pay and exemptions. Um, and so he was hoping to publish a rule in the month of May, um, but NDA along with a coalition of other groups, um, we pushed the White House, we asked them to postpone this rule just because we don't think there's been enough study done on how it could impact employers and employees. Um, and so we were happy that uh, the president did postpone this rule to at least the month of August. Um, so we'll see if he does publish the rule in in August, uh, but we're still trying to, trying to stay proactive on this. And so we have actually requested to meet with the White House on this proposed um, rule that they're considering just to uh, express our views on it and our concerns about how this could impact the demolition industry. So that's something we'll continue to track. Um, other updates to regulations that we saw, um, the president is hoping to release a final rule on the classification of independent contractors in the month of August. Um, he, is, he is also planning to convene a Sabrifa panel on heat illness prevention in outdoor and indoor workplace settings. Um, and so a Sabrifa panel is something that OSHA has to convene uh, and bring in a bunch of small business organizations to provide feedback on the potential rule since, since it's going to have such a big impact on small businesses. And so NDA, so NDA has applied for a spot on the panel just to ensure that our voice gets heard when OSHA is starting to put this proposal together. Um, so that is something that we will also continue to track. Um, in terms of other rules and regulations that the president is uh, proposing, um, he's hoping to release something on the crane and derricks and construction rule um, in the spring of 2024. And he is also hoping to put out a final rule updating the Davis-Bacon Act. Um, in terms of new rules and regulations that have just been um, released, uh, by certain agencies. Uh, in the last few weeks, we saw OSHA uh, publish a final rule on tracking injuries and illnesses in the workplace. Um, so this is a proposed, or sorry, this is a, a final rule that expands requirements for employers to submit certain um, information about injury and illnesses throughout the year. Um, the good news is NDA was uh, kept out of a lot of, or excuse me, the demolition industry was kept out of 
a lot of the expanded requirements from this, some of which employers think are, are too strict on employers. And, and we'll see if there's any challenges to this rule in the courts. Um, the biggest change for our industry will be companies will have to submit their um, company name when they submit their 300A form to OSHA every year. And so that will be something, and that could also be something that's challenged in court uh, due to privacy concerns. So we'll see what happens with that going forward. Right now, the rule is scheduled to go into effect on January 1st of 2024. Um, and uh, we continue to go through the rule and um, we will be sending out more detailed guidance to the membership on this. So. To, so stay on the lookout for that. Um, the other major rule that OSHA has proposed in the last few weeks is a rule on personal protective equipment in construction. And so OSHA is hoping to clarify um, the standard that PPE is supposed to fit every employee properly in the workplace. And so they're hoping to, to match the construction standard with the general industry standard. Um, and so we are continuing to review the proposed rule and we are going to be looking at some submitting comments on that. Um, the comment deadline is in September. And so um, if we think we need to weigh in on behalf of the demolition industry, we will do that. Um, and so that is the update uh, for today. Uh, thanks for listening.